Hey everybody, it is Trani Unicorn here. This is episode number six and I just thought about it five seconds ago and I was like, yes, that is the next topic I need to talk about. How do you feel safe joining this lifestyle? And by safe, I don't mean just physically. How do you feel emotionally safe? How do you feel safe in your relationship to explore sex with someone new? Um, so there's all sorts of topics that we could get into with just the topic of safety. I'm not an expert on this. I would need to talk to other couples and interview them on my podcast so that you can get more insights from real people, real swingers, real couples on how they navigate those waters and how they make it work for them. And uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll be bringing you lots of success stories, but I'll also be bringing you any, you know, cautionary tales, you know, that maybe couples have learned along the way can can cause more issues than, than you know, are, than are worth. So, um, so keep in mind that I'm going to give you my perspective today, but that I'll be offering more perspectives as time goes on. I remember when I was in vanilla world, and again, when I mean vanilla world, it's like mainstream society where sex isn't really out in the open. I was with my boyfriends, and I always wanted a threesome. I always wanted to add a girl to to have a threesome. It was just something that I wanted to do. I was straight, like I was a straight woman, and I had no interest in like making it with girls or like fingering girls or anything like that. Not until I was a swinger, like sincerely. And so I, you know, wanted the threesome, sure. And I planned on like kissing the girl and like, you know, maybe touching her boobs and like watching my boyfriend fuck her and stuff. But I wasn't so sure I was ever going to go down on a girl. Like I just knew I would be okay with like joining a girl and like fucking her with my boyfriend. So that was always just what I thought I'd be doing as a swinger. You know, life didn't pan out that way. I did try to have sex with single women uh, when I was dating. I, you know, I had the profiles on the on the apps that are for this kind of thing. And I'll put links to, to these kind of uh, apps on my website. And, uh, you know, it was, it was unsuccessful. Okay. We barely got any people, any woman to respond to us. And even if we did, we didn't know how to be successful back then because no one, you know, we didn't Google how to do this. So we never ended up even meeting a single woman and, uh, let alone having sex with one. And it was like a sad thing because we wanted to be this thing. We wanted to have threesomes, but we couldn't actually materialize it. And so in a way we just kind of like gave up after a period of non-success I ended up, you know, my mid thirties after a bit of a sexual, sexual reawakening. I did have a period of 10 years celibacy where I did not have sex or relationships. And I do document that story on my YouTube channel if you're looking to hear about that. Um, but basically I had just come back out and started having sex again. And I was going on all these dates with single men trying to have a boyfriend, trying to date, right? And I was barely getting past like three dates in, like or two dates in. Like these guys and I were just not necessarily jiving. And so maybe I get sex once or like maybe twice and then that would be it. And it was because I'm demisexual, I don't have sex with strangers or anyone I don't have a an emotional connection with of some sort. So for me, I would go tons of time, weeks, months in between sex based on the success I had on Tinder. Now, I don't know about you, but I would never put my fucking investment dollars in Tinder, let alone my emotional investment dollars. So I was going on these dates, they weren't working out, and I was getting fed up. And then, you know, I did know that there was such a thing as like a swinger lifestyle because I had heard about it a long time ago. But then I started to get more curious about whether I could just go alone as a single woman and be the single woman in a threesome. Because I was like, well, obviously they need single women or they wouldn't be able to have threesomes. So why don't I just fill that role? 
And that was kind of interesting, but also scary, right? And, you know, I've got to admit, though, I've spent years living, you know, downtown Toronto, eating dinner at restaurants alone, you know, lunch alone. I've been very comfortable being alone and being by myself for a while now. And I think that helped me become more comfortable jumping outside my comfort zone, too. So, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was still a big hurdle for me to go to a sex club alone, okay? I, I tried to see if any friends wanted to go. No one was interested. I was like, okay. I want to go so, so badly. I want to see what this is all about. So I do have a video called My First Threesome, and it's a story time video on my YouTube channel. It is worth a watch. It talks about my journey becoming a swinger. But basically, to sum up that story is I went on a date with it with a, with a man, and I was more down to fuck that night than I think ever because I was like, look, I just need a guy who doesn't crap fucking frankly creep me out or bore me to come and fuck me once in a while. Like, that's basically what I was like, medicinal fuck, whatever you want to call it, okay? I was like, low threshold. Any guy who was a gentleman, who, you know, was nice, but I was, was going to have such an advantage. And then it was also Saturday night, and it was Unicorn Night at Oasis Aqua Lounge Sex Club in Toronto. And so I had known that. I had bookmarked that. And I was like, okay, if this date doesn't work out with this guy, then I will go to the sex club alone. But if this guy does pull it out, then I won't. I will choose that life. So it was like a real fork in the road kind of mentality. And so I went on this date with this guy, and he really did like me and everything, but... He smelled so strong of cologne, and I have a, a scent sensitivity, and I, I can get migraines if I'm around strong scents. And so he was also, like, this Italian man talking over me. Like, he was very loud and talking over me. And I don't know if you've watched or listened to any more of my content. I don't like that at all. I would never take well to someone talking over over me like that, um, especially not on a first interaction. Like, it turned me off. Like, it dried my pussy up drop by drop every time he did that. Yeah, so it was not going to happen. And I remember, like, disassociating on the date, going, you know, thinking about, like, while this man was talking over me and I remember thinking fuck I'm gonna have to go to this sex club now <laughs> like you know like this is the this is what's happening you know I, I want to go and, and do this instead so I actually tell the guy that I'm about to go do this because at that point I know I'm not gonna see him again and I was like well by the way I'm gonna go but you know I'm doing this thing so he was kind of cheering for me a little bit he was disappointed we weren't gonna have sex but uh, that's fine um but anyway so I do I go home I pack a little bag and I take a picture. I still can't find this fucking picture, but if I do, I'll put it on my website. And I remember, like, taking a picture, and, like, you know, I know exactly what I was wearing, too. And I left, and I walked, you know, it was, like, a 10, 15-minute walk, and I, I went to the sex club. And before I'd walked in, I had, like, Google Earthed the building. Like, I was like, how do I feel safe going to this place? And for me, I needed to see it. I needed to see the outside. I needed to see where people parked. I needed to see it all. And so I was like zooming in on Google Earth being like, that's where it happens. That's where all this crazy shit goes down. Okay. And then I think at one point I walked by it. Like I was like, let me just like get a glimpse of this thing. So for me, it took a lot of building up to be able to even walk into the sex club for the first time. So I think it's fair for people to be who are nervous to take it, take their time, you know? So for me, that's how when I, when I bring it back to the topic of how do you feel safe, I needed to see it. I needed to see the outside. And then I did look for images and videos of the inside. I think that they did offer something on the Oasis website, but at, at the time I felt it wasn't enough to keep me to, to, to satisfy that need. 
And so I knew that I was still walking into something I didn't fully understand, right? So anyways, I show up that day to the sex club. I walk in. I'm waiting to, like, buy my ticket at the door or whatever. And through the, like, I can see the, 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 the attendant cashier, like, front desk person. But then behind them on, like, a screen TV in the back, there's, like, porn, like, playing. And I remember as soon as I walked in and seeing porn play on TV, I knew I was not in a place I had ever been before. And that I was excited. Because as a very sexually minded person, I wanted more. I wanted to see what was available. Um, and so I did walk in and uh, I believe they gave me a bit of a tour. I got a locker. I put my shit in. Now, there's there's more to this story that is, you know, I could still go into detail. But I've already gone into detail in this story the first time I went to a sex club. And that's on my YouTube channel. So you can listen to that. Um, so I'll fast forward a bit here. But the point was, in order for me to walk in, I needed to know, did I have to be naked? I needed to know what does the building look like? I needed to know... What, like, how many washrooms are there? Is there going to be a lineup to use the bathroom? Because that's not going to work well with somebody like me who has anxiety. So for me, I needed to know, am I going to feel safe in this club too, right? So that's the things that I needed in order to feel safe in this lifestyle, in order to walk in that very first time, which, by the way, was in April of 2019. And so I know that there's a lot of aspects to making yourself safe to do something outside your comfort zone. And so that's what this episode is going to be about. And this is just my perspective as a single woman who has also been partnered, who looking for, you know, other single women about what the mistakes are I made early where I wouldn't make now. I'm going to talk about that. Um, I'm going to talk about the rules that couples make between themselves. And I'm not going to lie. I come at it from a clearly biased perspective. Okay. I'm coming at this from a single woman perspective. And when I come up against a couple who wants to have a threesome and then announces their rules and their rules to me don't, you know, they don't make me excited. I literally walk away from that experience. I would rather not have that experience behind a bunch of rules. So again, some rules are completely understandable. Some are not uh, from a unicorn perspective. Some are insulting uh, to us, I would say. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm unapologetic about that. I'm not going to lie. This is a real thing I saw on um, on a kink site. I saw a woman post an ad in a group for unicorns saying, I'm looking for like a single woman to come and like, you know, basically let my, my boyfriend dom us both and uh, like dominate us and like face fuck us and everything. And then they literally said at the end, but at the end, you must, you must not speak and you must leave immediately. That was literally written in their ad for a unicorn. You must basically come, let us fuck the shit out of you. And then don't speak and get your fucking car and leave. Think about that. So I'm unapologetic when I come on this podcast with a bit of attitude about what it's like to be treated like that from some couples. So not all couples are out there treating us like humans with their own wants, fantasies, needs, and, you know, humanity. So just keep that in mind. That's also part of why my channel is here to educate people on maybe just their lack of consciousness to the needs of the other people involved, right? 
Um, and the reason I, I feel safe talking about it that way is I've been on the couple side too, and I've been looking for single women. And the idea of that single woman staying a minute longer than she was invited scared the shit out of me because I didn't want my boyfriend to run away with her, right? So I get it. I've been on both sides of things. I just know that when I was talking about having threesomes with my boyfriend, we would discuss like, well, what, what would the rules be? We talked about like, oh, well, no kissing or, you know, cause, cause that would be way too intimate to share. And we would be like, yeah, sure. Okay. No kissing. Having said that, fast forward to now, I would be like, fuck that shit. If you're trying to caution tape off one of my holes from sharing a level of intimacy, because that's where you feel safe, you, in my opinion, are not secure enough as a couple for me to have a sexual experience with you. That's what I genuinely feel like. Now, doesn't mean you won't find unicorns who are looking for that or or who are willing to, to accommodate your rules. I just think be cautious of these rules that you make. Think about how important they truly, truly are and why you actually need them because you will turn off so many sexual partners when you come at them. A bunch of insecurity behind a wall of rules, okay? And no offense, but there's a lot of people out there to fuck who are not that insecure. And so why would we, you know, be be at the place where we're we're, we're going to get kicked out, you know, after the cum shot's over, you know? So just saying. I think that there's, you know, conversations about, you know, the things that you can do to make yourself feel comfortable. But the no kissing thing, I would never do again. That's ridiculous. Kissing is part of sex. Kissing is part of arousal. To deprive somebody of that when you're going to be fucking them is really just a demonstration of that person's insecurity. Sex is sex. And if you are going to, you know, dip your just the tip into this lifestyle instead of the whole shaft then maybe that's that's fine, but you might want to be upfront with people because I would never personally consent to a sexual arrangement where I was going to be treated like there were, you know, things off limits to me. I've also, for example, had couples whisper uh, to each other in sex. Only This only happened once um, while I was having sex there, and it made me uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable. I was a person in the room, two people were whispering, and I didn't like it. I don't even care if it was good things. Be careful of those kind of things. So I digress, but there's a lot of uh, ways that couples try to build up these, you know, artificial, you know, safety walls. Okay, well, no kissing or or no penetration or, or no cum shots. How about only I take your cum shot because that's so sacred. And, you know, all these conversations go on with couples and it's okay to start with rules and evolve as you go too. So keep that in mind. You can start with rules and then once you realize no one wants to fuck you behind your wall of rules, then maybe those rules come down a little bit. You can tell I've got a bit of sass, okay? I definitely have given you the disclaimer, so I'm not going to repeat it but i feel i feel strongly about people who are in this lifestyle who make it you know about a whole like a cum dumpster like they're looking for like maybe that's what some people are looking for but no unicorn i know wants to be treated that way um maybe sexually they want to be you know treated like a dirty little slut or cum slut but they don't want to be as a human treated like a cum dumpster like fuck off you know that's what i think about that i would just say that there's lots of things that you can do as a couple to try and feel safe one of those that i recommend again the, the rules you know where i stand but one of the ways that I think couples can talk to each other and become safe, feel safe to experiment in the lifestyle is to make an arrangement or make an agreement to go and observe the lifestyle together without, without the agreement of even participating if that's too much of a, of a stretch. Because you're going to convince someone to go to a sex club a lot faster if you promise them they don't have to have sex with people, <laughs> okay? Like if they're new to this. 
people have this fear or, you know, unfounded expectation that they're going to be having, they're going to be expected to have sex with, with a bunch of people. And, you know, in a way they're like, they're allowed to, they're invited to, but they don't have to at all. Some people just completely leave, leave their clothes on at these clubs and, and, and treat it like a social club. So keep in mind, like, you can absolutely be a participant in this lifestyle without, you know, fucking other people. Some people like to go and just have sex beside another couple because they get turned on by the close proximity of sex, right? So there's all sorts of ways to, like, dip your, your toes into the lifestyle and still do it within the confounds of no sexual exploration outside of your dynamic whatever works for you. Something else that couples tend to do and feel good about is having a little bit of a code word between them. Something that's non-conspicuous, but that could indicate that whatever situation they're in, it's time to go and do something else. So maybe they're not interested in the couple you're talking to. Maybe they don't feel good. Maybe it doesn't matter. All I know is that that, that word or that signal should be unique to that couple, but it shouldn't be obnoxious. Like, don't, like, you know, start speaking in another language in front of people that we don't understand. That's fucking, in a way, that's kind of rude, right? So what I would say is sometimes people say things like maybe their code word is coconut. And so she'll, you know, the wife will look to her husband and say, I wonder if there's anything coconutty at the bar, right? And that's her husband's signal to know the wife wants to, you know, take a minute and walk away. So that's something else that couples can do is create code words or phrases so that wherever they are, they can communicate in, in, a, in a kind of a covert way, but still effectively that they would like to, you know, do something different or move on from where they currently are. So there's a difference between like limits and boundaries and rules. When a couple says to me that they are full swap, that means that they allow the, their partners to fuck other people, basically, um, like penetration and everything. Um, soft swap usually means just oral and kissing, not like penetration with another partner. Um, and so when people come at me saying, I want a full swap, that would interest me. If someone came up and said, I want a soft swap, that would not interest me. But so that might interest someone else, right? So that's why the terminology in this lifestyle, I will make an episode about that. But it's important to get it down um, in, in, in at least what you're looking for so that you communicate effectively in the lifestyle. Another way to make it feel safe, especially if you're in a partnership, is not only to go and say, you know, you don't have to play with anybody else, but... If you want to go and you're uncomfortable in your body, then don't go naked. You don't have to go fucking naked. Wear lingerie. Wear, you know, for me, I've got a bit of a tummy. I wear lingerie that covers my tummy and I feel sexy as hell. Just wear something that you feel good in and don't worry so much about the, how you're going to fit in. I mean, the, the more naked you get, you know, the more excited people are going to be to see you uh, around the club. But, uh, you know, you know, it's, it's always nice to look at a nice body. You definitely do not have to go naked and you do not have to fuck a bunch of people when you go there. So those are a few things to just feel safe right off the bat. The other thing is all these sex clubs that I've been to, which is mostly just in the you know greater Toronto area in, in Canada, you know, they have memberships. And so even some of them cost money that some of them don't. And it's like you have to be a registered member to go to the club. You have to have an email address and have an account, right? And it's because they keep a, keep track of who's inside and they know who's there at every moment. And they basically can kick people out and ban them if they've violated consent or, you know, done something wrong so that they don't become a nuisance to the, to the community. So the clubs themselves feel safe on the inside. There's also security for the most part roaming around these clubs. There's cleaning staff roaming around. So you, there's always usually somebody, at least an earshot, that you could get a uh, quick assistance from if you needed it. 
So that's something about Oasis is I, I can walk around naked. I can walk around completely topless at Oasis and feel completely comfortable even around a bunch of men on DTF night holding their dicks because I know they're not allowed to touch me without permission. And if they do, they can get kicked out and banned. So they're not going to usually like do that, right? Because they get warned at the, at the beginning of their uh, membership. So I do feel safe walking around um, Oasis in, in, you know, basically nothing. So those are a couple ways that you can feel safe. Now, I couldn't finish a video about safety and how to feel safe if I did not talk about STIs and condom use in the swinger lifestyle. So let's just get this out in the open. Men, gentlemen with dicks or whoever has a dick, if you are used to fucking raw, you better get used to fucking with a condom on too. It'll be a game day decision about whether your dick can handle it. And you don't want that surprise when it can't. Because I have seen the look in many men's eyes when their dick is not adapting to a condom and they never expected this problem because their dick doesn't normally go down in sex. So it was like they got their threesome, their wife's looking at them, I'm looking at them, their dick is revolting against their condom, the free condom that was available. So the reason I give such uh, in-depth advice on my channel is because everybody who joins this lifestyle has such good intentions and like wants these fantasies fulfilled and you can still fumble the ball in, in a few ways and I've seen it and I want to help. I want to help people prepare. So what I like to recommend for this specific issue is I think that you need to get used to a specific brand of condom. So I would go and either buy a three pack of like five different brands and literally practice with them either masturbating or with a partner if you if you have one and see if your dick can handle it see how which one you like more see which one fits best and then write that down and order a big fucking box of it okay because you need to have this almost like your favorite baseball glove that you would take to every game you want to have a secret weapon of a condom that your dick is familiar with all right. So that's one of the first things. But you really do need to get used to wearing a condom. Will you find other people in the lifestyle who do not want to use condoms? Yes. But that is always a consensual decision. And you will have a harder time fucking people in the lifestyle if you do not use condoms. I have personally turned down sex many times because the man could not fuck with a condom. Absolutely walked away from it. There has never been a time in the last 10 years besides one threesome, but I like, we, we sat down and talked about it first. And like, you know, they were like first brand new in the lifestyle, like together for a long time. Like for me, I was like, okay, the risk is really low and I get tested like every six months. So we decided that one time to do it because otherwise his dick wasn't going to work and we were all like super into it. So that was like our one exception I had. But I mean, the point is, you really will have a hard time trying to find anyone who wants to fuck without one. But if you do, you, you might want to consider that they also might have sex with other people that way. And then that's just a more of a risk of, you know, potentially getting something. So that's just something to keep in mind. But yes, I would be very, um, you know, condom conscious. Okay. I do have an Amazon storefront. Of course, I have to plug it right here. But basically, I have a storefront. It is Amazon.com slash shop slash Toronto Unicorn. And you will see that I have put together a bunch of lists. And then in those lists are a bunch of products on Amazon.com, the American Amazon, that I have found, I tried, true, tested, whatever, and put on there, Okay. One of those is Magnum Original under sexual like condoms and stuff. 
it is just a, it's the gold wrapper condom, not a, you know, nothing special, no weird scents or ribs or, or, you know, whatever. It is just a normal condom that's a little bit bigger. And it usually just doesn't let guys down the same way other condoms do. I've never seen a man fumble a magnum. Okay. I've never, like, yes, his dick still might not work once in a while because it's a condom, but I've never seen it, him complain about the condom, <laughs> you know, when it's a magnum, unless, unless your dick is really thin, a magnum might be too big. Right. But otherwise, if it's normal or a bit girthy, it would be, it would be an ideal fit. So I list these things on my Amazon storefront, as well as lingerie, including the lingerie that I actually wear on my YouTube channel. I link to it on Amazon so that people can find it. And I also list my size so that people know what size I wear, uh, which is basically 2X in lingerie. All right, so let's go back. So safety, I mean, you're going to, you know, want to have to get tested every, you know, six months if you're sexually active. I mean, there's no way around that. If you are participating in a lifestyle where you have sex with people, it's basically your responsibility to be healthy about it or at least be upfront about, a, you know, an issue if you have one. I do like I follow a lot of things online and there's a lot of other influencers out there trying to take stigma out of certain, you know, STIs or STIs in general. And like, why are we shaming people for these kind of things when it's just as common as like, you know, any other thing, any other infection. And I really applaud those people for doing that work because it's true. You know, any one of us could catch something at any time that has nothing to do with an STI and, you know, society wouldn't necessarily shame us. Right. It's like, oh, okay. You know, you got COVID, whatever. But if somebody's like, oh, I got chlamydia, suddenly like people have this like almost internal judgment, some of them about, oh, well, that's like a dirty, she's a dirty person. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do, do people look at people with COVID and they're like, oh, that's a dirty person? So I don't know. I That stigma is ridiculous out there, even though I understand it. I, you know, I grew up in the same culture as everyone else. Right. So, um, well, <laughs> in North America, I guess. Anyways. Yeah. So I would just make sure that you get tested every six months. Yeah, you have to be upfront if you do have something um, that is worth disclosing and you can, you'd be get, getting that information from like a, a medical doctor, not me. Um, but yes, yeah, so that is the safety topic about, you know, making sure that you can kind of stay STI free. Now I am currently STI free. I've been lucky in my life. I haven't had anything. I've had a few friends that have had chlamydia, but that's like cleared up with a few pills and stuff. And like, it's just so responsible of people to get checked. It's not a shame when you go and you find out, oh, you have something and then you do the right thing because I'm not going to lie. Like that's the responsible thing. If you like get chlamydia and like, don't fix it and go and like, you know, come down a bunch of girls throats, like you're an asshole. And like, if anyone ever found out that you did that, you would never get fucked in this lifestyle again, man, because reputation will precede you. This lifestyle is much more close knit than normal vanilla world. And I've always made that point, even on my YouTube advice videos of beware where you step in this lifestyle. If you piss off the wrong person, you're going to still see them, you know, a lot of times and run into them in the same social circles and they're going to, you know, who knows what they're whispering about you, right? Just, just keep an eye on, on the respect that you have with everybody around you. Now the jealousy, how do you feel safe from jealousy? Well, I'm not going to lie. Jealousy is one of those things that is an ugly primal almost reactionary feeling. And I'm here to say that there's no magic pill to take to get rid of it. But once you've been exposed to the lifestyle with enough time, you'll realize the environment is full of a lot of ethical, honest, like working like good people. Like they're really just normal people who have sex 
and know that it's about sex. And so you don't have to, in my opinion, always necessarily worry that if you sleep with somebody in this lifestyle, that they're going to become clingy, that they're going to want more from you than you, you wanted to give, or, you know, some single woman that won't leave you alone or, or will go after your, your husband or whatever when you're not around. I don't find that a lot in the lifestyle. I find that more in vanilla world, right? Where people are all just trying to get their own, you know, but in the swinger lifestyle, it feels everything's a bit more above board and more ethical. And so when you realize that you negotiate sex with people all the time, you realize that there's not like, there's not like predators walking around trying to like steal your husband. It's more just who, you know, you go and you have these exciting experiences and then, you know, that's it. Like you go home together. So, yeah, I mean, I would ask other couples maybe this question about how do they feel safe as a couple or how do they feel safe as a single in this lifestyle, emotionally, whatever, how do you handle the rejection? So I'll make sure I ask my guests that I interviewed some of these questions. But for me, the jealousy, it takes time, but the more you get exposed to the recreational nature of sex in this lifestyle and community, especially a sex club community, you realize how it's just fucking sex. It's just a physical, sexual need that some people have, especially variety. And so, for example, some of the people I know, you know, there's a couple that, you know, goes to the DTF night, down to fuck night at Oasis, which is gangbang night, basically. And she, like, lets her husband go and fuck whoever he wants. And, like, they go home and have a wonderful marriage. Like, think about that. That's that's my dream marriage. I would love to to be able to be secure enough in my own jealousy of, of a wife or, or a partner to be able to know that it's okay for them to experiment and put their dick in someone else and even have a kiss or, or even a, you know, a, a moment of, of touch with someone else and have it be the exciting thing you talk about on the car ride home, you know, about, and you get to share that joy with them. You get to see the light in their faces. And that's why I think people should, should, should understand the swinger lifestyle. There is something in it for us too. When we see our partners have sex with other people, I personally like watching my partners have sex with other people. Um, especially if I've helped, you know, connect them, it just makes me feel good. So there is people who it's just kind of naturally feels good, but there's ways of getting there and getting to a place of comfort that, you know, especially just talk to your partner, talk to them. What is it, what, what is going to cause the jealous feeling? And sometimes you don't know until you, you know, hit a nerve, so to speak. And I'm going to keep it anonymous, but I'm going to give an example where there's someone I know who, um, they're partnered and they're one of their partners goes and has sex with other people and, um, and comes back like, and then they go home together, whatever. And they were saying that they did have a slight issue one time because there was not as much aftercare given to, to the, to the wife who had been waiting for her husband to come back kind of thing. So it was one of those things where once uh, they had that talk, her and her husband about, oh, I did have this, uh, you know, potentially uncomfortable feeling and this is what caused it. So how about if we find a way to prevent it, then we, you know, that's what we do. And so that's from the, from my understanding, that's what they did. And that is why this lifestyle works is because even though you might get those weird feelings, you can figure out a way to figure out why did you feel that way? Well, how can we fix that? And so the way that they fix that was that now after he sleeps with other women, he goes and hangs out with his wife really like more quickly. And I think that that's, that makes sense, right? Like don't leave her alone. If she's not, if she's not already occupied with someone else, 
don't let her sit alone, you know? So it's one of those things where I've heard from other couples that are swingers on YouTube even, that they have a rule of no one leaves the other one alone, standing alone at a party. So like they wouldn't go off with like some single person if their partner was left alone. So again, that's like a rule that a couple has that I'm supportive of because it's not about how do I protect my relationship from this, you know, you know, third party. It's more like how do I protect, how do I protect my partner's feelings in this lifestyle? So there's a lot of things you can do to just be there for your partner and ask them what they need to feel better. I even gave advice to a girl once who was, you know, practicing an open marriage for the first time and her, her husband was asexual and so they hadn't had sex in a while and she had reached out to me asking for some guidance on how to kind of, you know, cross that, you know, Rubicon of having sex with a stranger and, and basically being, you know, being back in the game. And so I did give her advice and help her have sex and uh, have a video on that on YouTube because there's always a fucking video to all the things I'm saying. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I've documented my life for the last few years. And um, I said to her, I think on the way home, you might want to pick up your husband something, something that is like a treat. Like, I don't know, is it his favorite pop can or is it like, a you know, so she picked him up like a McChicken or something uh, from McDonald's. And I said, like, sometimes you need to, to show up at home again with something because that is a physical manifestation that they were thinking about you on the way home and sometimes the recipient of that partner you know that partner who's you know the one you know at home waiting for their wife to come home after fucking somebody it can comfort them to know that on the way home they were thinking of their husband and that's why when you pick them up a mcchicken it symbolizes that. Now, I know, you know what I'm saying? It seems simple, but I'm throwing in my, my psychology degree in my swinging lifestyle, and it really is helping. And I think that there's lots of ways to cater to your partner's needs. I think that sometimes people's insecurity isn't necessarily somebody else's problem. If you have an insecure feeling when your partner is out with someone else, it doesn't always mean that that's the wrong thing. Sometimes the issue is you just have to figure out how to not have that feeling or how to mitigate that feeling or how to, you know, a lot of people I know who have open relationships try to have dates with other people on the same night so that both partners are out of the house at the same time doing it so that one isn't at home constantly aware that the other one is out fucking. Some people don't need that. Some people do. But do you see how there's a lot of room for negotiation in this lifestyle? To be able to make it comfortable for yourself, to be able to make it a place where you feel safe to explore. And, and I, I just think that, you know, don't, don't draw it in, in permanent marker, draw it in pencil, these rules and boundaries, because the lifestyle has a way of making people feel comfortable really quickly. And then eventually you realize that maybe it's okay if my husband, you know, kisses another girl as long as he doesn't, you know, do it after the sex, right? Maybe it's just in sex, that's fine. Then, then maybe that's growth. Maybe that's growth and that's fantastic. If you never get there and you never want your husband or, or wife to, to have sex with someone else or whatever, that's fine too. There's a lot of people in this lifestyle who are here to be voyeurs to watch, to watch people have sex um, or, you know, maybe just have sex with another woman, no partner or no, no males. That's, that's common too. There's many couples that do not want another dick in the bedroom. They want just another woman um, and sometimes they even match with couples for the sake of just the women playing. So that's common too. So I hope that I've covered some aspects of how to feel safe in the lifestyle and how to feel safe as a human participating in it. I think one of the biggest things is go with a, go with a friend if you've got a friend, but do not wait for a friend to go. I would never recommend you sit at home until the, a person gives you the comfort blanket you need to go, go into a sex club and experience your, you know, something that interests you. I think if I could leave you with uh, one, one thing to help you feel safe exploring in this lifestyle, 
it is that it is an accepting, non-judgmental community for the most part. And it really isn't about pressuring anybody to do anything. It is the opposite of that. It is consent driven. Even touching me, you're not allowed to touch my body at Oasis Aqua Lounge or another sex club without my permission. Don't touch me. Don't put your hand around me. Don't put your hand on my shoulder. Don't even tap my arm unless you want a scowl look on my face when I turn around. Because you're not allowed to do that. You're supposed to give people their space. You don't even get that, you know, at a bar. People can just come up and like put their arm around you like they think they can, right? So they can't with me, but they learn that pretty quick. So I just feel even safer at a sex club than, you know, not being touched by anybody I don't want. So also no means no, and you're not allowed to ask again, especially at a club like Oasis. It's it's clear, like you can't harass somebody uh, for sex. And so, you know, it's it's just one of those things where your your safety in, in the club itself, I feel is pretty safe, especially in the clubs that I've been to. Now, here's the ones that I've been to. I've been to Oasis Aqua Lounge, uh, downtown Toronto. I've been to the X Club, which is in Mississauga. NYX Lounge, which is in Oakville, and M4, which is in Mississauga, and I have felt safe at all of them. In terms of using substances to feel safe, I know a lot of people would, would, would tend to drink a little bit more. I think be very careful about drinking too much in the swinger lifestyle for a few reasons. One of them, even if you have a great night, you might not fucking remember it. Number two, you could get over drunk and either piss people off or throw up or, you know, pass out in the bathroom and, and, and that's your start to the lifestyle or, you know, great. Um, you could also be too sloppy for people to, to want to be able to communicate with and then you don't know why, you know, you're not having success there. Um, there's also, you know, you could make errors. You could be too drunk to, to remember the consent rules. And what if you do put your arm around somebody thinking that you have permission and you don't, right? So there's a lot of things that I would say that be careful about drinking too much. Um, I would say don't like do a bunch of fucking edibles before you come to a sex club for the first time. I would just be careful about that. You know, if you need to smoke some weed, do, do a little bit, but don't, don't go crazy. Yeah. I think those are the kind of things I would recommend there. I think if you're interested in going to a sex club in your local area, and by the way, on my torontounicorn.com website under, I think it's Swinger Tips, I have a link where you can find sex clubs and sexual lifestyle, you know, communities in your area, in your country, your state, whatever. So it's, you know, it's not on, it's a, it's an inventory I'm basically pointing you out to, but it's close to perfect, but it's not perfect. So there's some clubs that have closed down that are still listed and, you know, things like that. But otherwise, like for, and I looked under Toronto, there's pretty much, it's pretty accurate, except that the Ozone Club is closed now. Look at the club's website. See if they've got a Facebook page. See if they've got a YouTube channel. Maybe there's a tour video so that you can see the inside of it. You know, and by the way, I do offer tour videos of these sex clubs in Toronto and the surrounding area on YouTube. You can see the inside of Club M4. You can see the inside of NYX Lounge, the X Club, and Oasis Aqua Lounge, and hopefully many more in the future. Any sex clubs who want to reach out to me, torontounicornlingerie at gmail.com, I'd be happy to hear you out and maybe plan a visit. So I hope I've helped calm some of your wonders about how do you feel safe and why would anyone do this, you know? Because if you don't feel safe, people would, would be like, why the fuck would you do that? Well, you know why people would do it? 
because some people need a change in their life. Some people need to get out of the mundane. Some people have been a parent for 99% of, you know, their waking hours and they want to be, you know, be a wife or sorry, a woman again, or they want to be a man again and, you know, fuck like a, uh, you know, crazy, you know, whatever. And then go home and be that, you know, loving, caring, you know, family man too, right? Sometimes people just need that release. So there's lots of reasons that people would enjoy this lifestyle. And it doesn't mean that you're this crazy, you know, person or, you know, this gross person if you have sex with people. And I think this lifestyle also makes you feel safe to explore because no one is judging you by how many people you have sex with. And no one is judging you by how dirty your sex is either. And so good for you if you have kinky, you know, sex. Good for you. As long as it's legal, all the power to you. So, you know, I will talk about these topics a bit more in the future in more depth with couples specifically, but I hope that I've helped. I would also really ask, um, as I, as I sign off on this podcast for you to pretty please go to both Spotify and Apple and rate me and this show five stars. I would really appreciate it. Right now, my podcast is new. I need to get the word out that I'm, you know, worth listening to. And those reviews are going to do that work for me. So I would really appreciate it. If you do review me and you want to thank you, leave a comment on my YouTube videos and say you did so. And I will be very gracious in my, in my gratitude. So thank you everybody for listening and stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you for listening to my podcast on safety and how to feel safe both emotionally and physically in the sexual and sex positive lifestyle. I'll be able to cover some of these topics in more detail down the road, but some of the first questions I had about this lifestyle is like, why would anyone do this? Why would anyone fuck their, you know, you know, let someone fuck their partner um, over and over, even especially without them? Like, how could they possibly live with themselves with that jealousy? So I get the questions of why or why the fuck, right? And so, you know, if you don't understand how someone can feel safe doing this lifestyle, then I can see why you would be confused. So I hope that this addressed how it can feel safe. And I think that for some people, it can feel natural to share sex because we realize it was never meant to be constrained the way I had envisioned it my whole life up until I became a swinger. I, I just think that the, my, my personal mindset of, you know, possessiveness on a guy's dick just because I fucked him once or twice is absolutely dissolved. There is simply no claim to some man because I fucked him. My friends can fuck him too if they want to. And that is something that I know is like unreversible because it, in a way, I feel almost bad that I had, you know, I had been, under a different mindset for, for most of my life because I wish I was more sexually liberated earlier. Anyways, I hope I answered the question of why would the fuck would people do this? Well, people can feel safe doing this. And not only that, people can feel fantastic doing this.